I've got an important question to ask you this morning. It's a deep theological question. I want you to be ready for this. How many of you, how many of you cannot mix your food? How many of you mix all your food? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Matthew's spilling the Lord this morning. Finally, this guy's preaching something I can get into. I'm one of those people, and this doesn't go for all food, but certain food. And I take a bite of one thing, and then I have to take a bite of the other so that I get them together, okay? But do not mistake me for a premixer, okay? I'm not a premixer. My dad was a premixer. Larry, you know, you, potatoes and corn, you couldn't help yourself. You always premix them, and it, and it literally, I have a hard time at the table when that's happening. <clears throat> Let's, some things just go great together, right? Okay. Uh, except unless you're, you're not a mixer and then you have no idea. But let's play a little association game here. I'm going to say something like salt and you're going to respond. Thank you. very. Oh, boy, you were quick on that. You almost beat me. All right. So peanut butter. Bacon. Anything. I would have accepted anything there. Avocado, whatever, anything would have been great. Bonnie, Batman, Jack. A little less confident of that on that one. Mickey, Mickey and Minnie. Barbie, Green Eggs and Fred and I'll accept Wilma or Barney. I'll accept either one there. Spaghetti and Potatoes and Hansel and Biscuits and Bert and Rhythm and Milk and Okay, I would have said cookies, but some honey. Uh, those of you that are really hyper-spiritual and you got to be all about the Bible, I guess that's all right. Romeo and Tom and Thank you. Tarzan and Soup and salad. Soup and salad. You guys say that you want an olive garden in Marquette. But by that answer, I'm not really sure you understand olive garden. No, it's, no, it's, it's, it's soup and salad right there, okay? Pasta fajoule, all right? I know, I know what that is. How about uh, Scooby and... Thank you. Hammer and surf and Ben and bride and bagel and I would also accept schmear. Schmear is really the answer, but bagel or uh, cream cheese is acceptable. I can still remember the first time that I ever had a cup of coffee with ice cream. 
I thought to myself, where has this been my entire life? Did you mix it? I'm an internal mixer, okay? Not a pre-mixer, all right? It just, it blew, it blew my mind, okay? There are just some things that really go great together. We're going to read this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, start at verse 10. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He said, now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing into many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Today I'd like us to look at how gratitude and generosity go together. The first thing that I'm, I, I, I note is that it's a vicious cycle. Now that phrase, vicious cycle, let me just bring up the definition because it's really got some great parts to it. It's a sequence of reciprocal cause and effect in which two or more elements intensify and aggravate each other, leading inexorably to a worsening of the situation. Sometimes one thing leads to another, and then that thing leads back to the first thing. That is basically the definition of a vicious cycle. And it picks up momentum. It happens faster and faster, and it seems as if it cannot be stopped. Today, I'd like to talk to you about something that I call gratitosity. Say that with me, gratitosity. There's teachers right now flipping out. <laughs> Say it again. Gratitosity. Gratitosity is the intersection between gratitude and generosity. I would say that they are two sides of the same coin, the way grace and mercy are. You see, gratitude doesn't just happen when we receive. Gratitude is not merely an emotion or a feeling. In fact, feelings of gratitude, when we think of gratitude as a feeling, it can be very short-lived. Let me illustrate what I mean. You're driving along on a country road, and you are enjoying the leaves in fall as they are in their most spectacular color, and sometimes as the sun hits them, literally we feel this sense of joy welling up inside us, and we are so grateful for that experience of beauty, but it is followed by an immediate hatred of raking. It's a short-lived feeling of gratitude. How about 
that first time of the year, we'll say Christmas Eve, you get that light dusting of snow. And it just seems beautiful. But it's followed by a loathing of snow removal. Okay, The rest of the world, they're praying for that stuff. They're praying for it, but we know the truth. That when it comes, somebody's got to do something with it. All right? Gratitude is a, is a really short-lived feeling. But practicing gratitude, okay? If gratitude can be a perspective that we just decide on. I'm just going to decide. I am making a decision that gratitude is a value in my life. I'm just going to decide. I am a grateful person. And when we do that, gratitude, we begin practicing it. We are starting a cycle. That cycle starts with gratitude and it leads us to a place of contentment. And being in a place of contentment then frees us to become generous. And generosity inspires gratitude. It is a cycle. And as we engage in that cycle, it becomes more, there's more and more momentum. There's, it, just, it just doesn't want to stop. It just continues to move faster. It continues to happen. It is a wonderful, vicious cycle. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse, the second half of verse 11 there, it says your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Gratitude leads us to generous actions. Look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17 where Paul says this, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That definition of vicious cycle. It talks about a cause and an effect. It talks about an intensity that it, it literally intensifies, that it becomes unstoppable because of the momentum. There is a positive relationship, a positive connection. There is a synergy that happens between gratitude and generosity. Secondly, I want to touch on this idea of stewardship versus ownership. Do you see yourself as an owner or as a steward? Is your ability, your intelligence, and your strength the source of what you have? Is it the source of your resource? Or do you see God as your ultimate source? If you are the source, then you are the owner. Pastor Greg Laurie, in his book, A Time to Worship, tells the story of a woman who was shopping. She left the store and she did what all of us do. She had to go out in the parking lot and find her vehicle. Have you ever been in the wrong row? Okay. Okay. 
What's really bad is if you're several rows off and you appear totally lost, been there. She finds her car, and as she approaches her car, she realizes there are four men in her car. She drops her bag, reaches into her purse, and pulls out a weapon. And she says, get out of my car, I've got a gun, and I know how to use it. The men were scared to death. They couldn't get out of that car fast enough. She was very rattled, very shaken. I imagine she's even trembling. She opens her car door, puts her bags in the car, sits in the seat and takes the key and puts it in the ignition and realizes something is weird here. My key won't go in the ignition. she realized that it was not her car. It was like her car, but it wasn't her car. She gets out of the car. She looks around to see if the four guys are anywhere to be found, and they are vanished, okay? She collects her things. Her car is four or five spots away. She puts her things in her car, and she drives to the nearest police station. And she goes in and she talks to the sergeant who's at the desk. And she explains the story to the sergeant. The cop nearly falls out of his chair laughing. And he points down the end of the long table countertop to four men that are giving a report of a carjacking that took place. In a local uh, Walmart parking lot. And it was done by a woman with glasses and curly white hair who's less than five feet tall who was brandishing a very large weapon. (laughs) Needless to say, there were no charges filed that day. But let me tell you this. The lady was convinced that car was hers. Are you with me? And sometimes we're convinced that what we have is ours. God, I, I, I worked for this. I, I put a lot of effort in. It, it must be mine. There was a man that approached Jesus and asked him how to get eternal life. The man thought that it was all about obeying the commands of Jesus or the commands of Scripture, the, actually the commands of Moses. We would call them the Ten Commandments, the law. But in Mark chapter 10, here's what Jesus said. He said, one thing you lack, because the guy said, oh, I, I obeyed all that stuff. There's one thing that you lack. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. You see, this young man that we call the rich young ruler was convinced that it was all his. He was convinced that he was the source. 
he was an owner, not a steward. You see, an owner controls resources according to his desire or his plan, but a steward faithfully manages resources for someone else. And if God is your source, you are a steward. Psalm 24 and verse 1, the psalmist said this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so as we get ready to move into this, this week of thanksgiving, I want to ask you the question, are you a steward or are you an owner? A heart of gratitude recognizes that we are stewards. We have to realize that we live in a culture of instant gratification. I, I, I know, okay, I know, I know I'm not in my 30s anymore, right? Okay, I know that. And sometimes I tell stories, okay? My, you're going to have to forgive me. I, I tell stories that illustrate a point, but they're a little dated, okay? But they're really good stories, so you have to endure them. I still remember the first microwave I ever saw. Those of you that, you know, you, you went to college and you got that little dorm uh, microwave, you know what I'm talking about? It's barely bigger than a shoebox, you know? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's like a Betty Crocker Easy Bake, you know, sort of scenario. It's, you know, but this, the, the first microwaves that they came out were like huge TVs. I mean, big. And the first microwave I ever saw was on the shoulder of my Uncle Bob as he was bringing it from his car into our house. He had it, he had it like this, okay? And he's going, Larry! Larry, you got to see this thing! Only in my family, okay? All, the rest of you, you probably buy a microwave, you use it. You know, when somebody comes over, what's that? Oh, it's a microwave. Not in my family, no. you got to take it over to your brother's house, and you've got to show them. you got to demonstrate it. You will not believe this thing. So they start looking around for something to use as a demonstration, and I don't know how they settled on this. I was just there observing. I'm not causing any trouble. And they pick an egg. And so they crack. <laughs> don't, don't get ahead of me. That is not fair. They crack an egg and put it in a bowl. And then they, ding, you know, they, they turn it. You had to actually turn the knob, okay? I don't, you know what I do on a microwave is I press the 30-second button repeatedly until it gets to the time where I want it, okay? That's what I do. You had to, they turn the, you know, oh, and of course you had to look up on the, on the face of it, you know, because it was big enough you could have like six paragraphs written on it. How long do I turn this egg on, right? So they turned it on and it starts and you hear this noise and all of a sudden you hear pop! The egg blew up all over the inside of the microwave because they didn't poke the yolk, they didn't break the yolk first. And I was like, I'm not impressed. I literally, I didn't say, Mom, Dad, we got to get one of these. 
But at some point later, and I, I, I think I was about, I don't know, seventh, eighth grade, somewhere in that realm. I was staying overnight at a buddy's house, and we were hungry, and, and he said, I'll make us some hot dogs, okay? In my world, you had to put water on the stove and put the hot dogs in and wait until the water got hot enough, you know, and it would, I don't know, take 10 minutes, whatever. And, and he takes these hot dogs out and he puts them in a bowl and he sticks them in this big magic box. And he looks on the side to see how many seconds you put them in there and he, and he turns the dial and it's, it's like 45 seconds. I'm like, this is crazy, you know? And I'm looking through that, that glass window and I'm seeing those hot dogs start to do something. And they're getting bigger and they're starting to split open and they're starting to, to have steam come out of them. And I'm like, what is this incredible magic? <laughs> it was the most amazing thing that I'd ever seen. It was instant. No, I didn't have to turn the stove on. I didn't have to heat up water. I could just have hot dogs in a matter of seconds. This one's going to kill you. I, I remember in 1982 going to the dorm in college. 1982. I'm, I'm just saying it. I'm putting it out there. 1982. There was one phone on the whole floor. One phone, public phone. That thing would ring and somebody would have to run for it. That's if some dude wasn't talking to his girlfriend for two hours, okay? Because he had just got to school and she's still back home and he misses her, right? And he can't, they, nobody can say goodbye. But that phone would ring, one phone. Now we have grade school kids that have smartphones. I can find out I can find out what time any place is open by simply asking Siri, hey, tell me what time this place is open and I find out so I don't accidentally drive across town. And then we get mad if they haven't updated their Google and we got the wrong, you know, the, oh, they're closed on Mondays. We, how many times have you heard that? We have fallen in love with the instant gratification of our society. You know, another thing that, that we, we have is this mentality that, that the one with the most stuff at the end wins. <laughs> we get emotionally connected to our stuff, and our, our culture tells us that we need to strive, 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 strive for this stuff. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, the second half of the verse, Paul tells us, For I have learned to become content, whatever the circumstances. Jesus actually calls us out of the, our culture to a culture of his kingdom, which is a culture of generosity. When we trust in him, he blesses us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. The call to be generous, friends, is not a call to suffer. Amen, Pastor. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. It is not a call to suffer. 
You see, we have this, this thinking in our minds, okay? We have this thinking in our minds that it actually is a call to suffer. Let me ask you, have you learned the secret of contentment? You see, the call to be generous is a call to con- contentment. It's a call to live a blessed life. I want to also talk about here in the last few seconds as the worship team comes up, the catharsis of generosity. A catharsis is a process of releasing and it provides relief from some deep, inner, strong, maybe even repressed emotions. We feel like when we give, we have less. What we feel is that A minus B equals C, and C is something less than A. Are you with me? I know that's math. It could technically be geometry, which I failed. (laughs) A minus B equals C, which is something less than A. We kind of look at life as a zero-sum game. We look at life like one of those pumpkin pies that Carl talked about on Wednesday, that his mom makes him a pumpkin pie every year all for himself. She would make pies for the whole family, but Carl got his own pumpkin pie, right? Okay. Life is not like that pumpkin pie because when Carl takes the first slice out of that pumpkin pie, it's still a pumpkin pie, but it's a pumpkin pie with one less slice. And then when he... By the time he gets to that, how do you cut those pies? You know, like the third slice, you're like, man, it's really, it's it's really bad. I, I got a lot less pie left. We look at life like that. We look at generosity like that. And we think to ourselves, if I if I give, if I'm a generous person, I will have less pumpkin pie for myself. But you see, the Bible tells us that when we abound in generosity, that thankfulness is our natural response and that God is increasingly generous to us. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, this this is the generosity of God right here, okay? God demonstrates his own love for us in this while yet we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And friends, we've done nothing to deserve it, nothing to earn it. And yet he is generous to us. We, on days like yesterday, we can enjoy the beauty of God's creation and this thing called sunlight that we don't get all the time. And it was so beautiful outside yesterday. We can go out and just enjoy the beauty of God's creation. Friends, every single person has the option of enjoying that. They've been blessed with it. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, says that it's more, and this is the teaching of Jesus, it's more blessed to give than to receive. 
Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, he said, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Friends, God blesses us so that we can bless other people. He doesn't bless us so that we can keep it all for ourselves. We don't deserve the blessings that he gives us. As I close this morning, I'm just going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to, in a second, sing that song that we sang earlier about. It's called Gratitude. But I'm just going to, in this moment, I just want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment and, and let me let me say that the greatest reason that that we have to be thankful it's not the job we have it's not the house that we live in it's not even the family that we have but it's the fact that God loved us so much he loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son Jesus to die on the cross to shed his blood for our sins that alone is the greatest reason that we have to be thankful and maybe you have never come to a place where you have recognized that and said God I I've been living my life in a different way and I I understand now that that I have so much to be grateful for and it all begins with the person of Jesus Christ. And maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus and today you'd like one. Maybe maybe today you just find yourself that you've been running far from God and, and you say, you know what, I realize today that I have so much to be grateful for and, and Jesus is the primary thing and so I want to get right with the Lord. I want to come back to Him. I want to surrender my life to him once again if that's you today I just want to pray for you before we sing if you would do me the privilege of just slipping your hand up so that I can know who that I'm praying for this morning I would love that just go ahead yes 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 hands all over this place God you're speaking to us this morning You're calling us. You're calling us to a deeper place in you. Father, I pray that today, God, that we would make the decision we're going to live. We're going to live with gratitude. And the number one thing that we're going to be grateful for is Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. Father, I thank you today. I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. 